Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive, reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we'll talk about how consciousness operates with different code systems to create alternate realities. And we'll take a look at some of the alternate realities that other civilizations have taken before us. I'll start by reading a few introductory paragraphs where Seth explains about code systems. Here's what he said. Consciousness operates with what you may call code systems. They are beyond count. Consciousness differentiates itself, therefore, by operating within certain code systems that help direct particular kinds of focus, bringing in certain kinds of significances while blocking out other data. These other data, of course, might well be significant in different code systems. In their way, however, these systems are interrelated so that at other levels there is communication between them, secondary data, you might say, that is supportive but not primarily concentrated upon. These code systems involve molecular constructions and light values, and in certain ways the light values are as precisely and effectively used as your alphabet is. For example, certain kinds of life obviously respond to spectrums with which you are not familiar. But beyond that, there are electromagnetic ranges, or rather extensions of electromagnetic ranges, completely unknown to you, to which other life forms respond. So once again, we think of our life forms as uh, the only kind of life forms, when in fact there are many, many other types of life forms that are supported by different types of code systems used by consciousness. I'll read a little bit more from Seth. Again, all of these code systems are interrelated. In the same way, the private psyche, that's our inner self and big self, private psyche contains within it hints and glimpses of other alternate realities. These operate as secondary codes, so to speak, beneath the existence that you officially recognize. Such secondary systems can tell you much about the potentials of human reality. Those that are latent, but can at any time be raised to primary importance. Such secondary systems also point toward the probable developments possible for individuals or species. All of the probabilities practically possible in human development are therefore present to some extent or another in each individual. So there he's saying that each one of us is aware via these secondary codes, we're aware of these other realities, and we could in fact, at some point, raise them to a primary awareness and take on some of those characteristics. So our potentials are quite numerous. I'll read some more of Seth. Any biological or spiritual advancement that you might imagine will, of course, not come from any outside agency, but from within the heritage of consciousness made flesh. Generally, Those alive in this century, he was speaking in the 20th century, but it applies to the 21st as well. 
Those alive in this century chose a particular kind of orientation. The species chose to specialize in certain kinds of physical manipulation to devote its energies in certain directions. Man has not driven himself down a blind alley, in other words. He's been studying the nature of his consciousness, using it as if it were apart from the rest of nature, and therefore seeing nature and the world in a particular light. That light has finally made him feel isolated, alone, and to some extent, relatively powerless. In light of that statement, let's consider our current civilization. Generally, right now, all the news is about artificial intelligence and how AI, as it's called, may be so destructive and so dangerous that it uh, creates the end of human civilization as we know it. But it isn't just AI. We're also concerned that nuclear war might uh, break, break out and that as a result, all of us would no longer be able to exist, or if we did exist, we'd certainly exist under miserable circumstances. And of course, we feel powerless before the hurricanes and other large storms that seem to beset us. Not that they are any more common than they have been historically, but there seems to be increased awareness and fear of them. And of course, we also have the pandemics and all of the seemingly increasing diseases that could put an end to our physical life. In my opinion, the statement uh, that we feel isolated, alone, and relatively powerless applies even more today than it did in the 20th century. Let me continue with some, of, uh, some more of Seth's comments. Man is learning how to use the light of his own consciousness and discovering how far one particular method of using it can be counted upon. He's now discovering that he needs other lights also. In other words, that he's been relying upon only a small portion of an entire inner searchlight that can be used in many directions. Let's look at some of those other directions that are native to man's consciousness still waiting to be used effectively. I'm speaking in your historical terms because before the historical system you recognize, man had indeed experimented with these other directions and with some success. This does not mean that man in the present has fallen from some higher spiritual achievement to his current state. There are cycles in which consciousness forms earthly experience and maps out historical sequences. So there have been other species of mankind beside your own, each handling physical data in its own way. Some have taken other directions, therefore, than the one that you have chosen. Even those paths are latent or secondary, however within your own private and mass experience. They reside within you, presenting you with alternate realities that you may or may not choose, privately or en masse, as you prefer. So Seth is saying that these latent capabilities uh, are within each of us, and we could, uh, at a time that we choose, uh, bring it to become one of the main characteristics or dominant characteristics of our civilization. Of course, we may not want to. In the next comment, he discusses how we in our physical bodies could live much longer than we're accustomed to. Each system, of course, brings forth its own culture, technology in quotes, art and science. The physical body is basically equipped to maintain itself as a healthy, long-living organism, far beyond your present understanding, medically speaking. The cellular comprehension provides all kinds of inner therapeutics that operate quite naturally. 
There's a physical give and take between the body and environment beyond that which you recognize. An inner dynamics here that escapes you, that unites the health of plants, animals, and men. In the most simple and mundane of examples, if you're living in a fairly well-balanced, healthy environment, your house plants and your animals will also be well. You form your environment and you are part of it. You react to it, often forgetting that relationship, meaning the relationship that you have formed it. Ideally, the body has the capacity to keep itself in excellent health, but beyond that, to maintain itself at the highest levels of physical achievement. Now, the exploits of your greatest athletes give you a hint of the body's true capacity. In your system of beliefs, however, those athletes must train and focus all of their attention in that direction, often at the expense of other portions of their own experience. But their performances show you what the body is capable of. So what we learn here is that uh, there are civilizations where people live in excellent health much, much longer than we do. Next, he uh, discusses uh, disease. The body is equipped ideally again now to rid itself of any diseases and to maintain its stability into what you would call advanced old age with only a gradual overall change. At its best, however, the change would bring about spiritual alterations. When you leave for a vacation, for example, you close down your house. In these ideal terms, death would involve a closing down of your physical house. It would not be crumbling about you. Now, certain individuals glimpse this great natural healing ability of the body, and they use it. Doctors sometimes encounter it when a patient with a so-called incurable disease suddenly recovers. I've mentioned in the past the, the book uh, Remarkable Recoveries. It's an old book now, but it's quite, quite interesting and astonishing, really. Let's continue with Seth. Miraculous, that's in quotes, miraculous healings are simply instances of nature unhampered. Complete physicians, as mentioned earlier, and that's something we'll get into later, would be persons who understood the true nature of the body and its own potentials, persons who would therefore transmit such ideas to others and encourage them to trust the validity of the body. Some of the body's abilities will seem impossible to you, for you have no evidence to support them. Many organs can completely replace themselves. Diseased portions can be replaced by new tissue. Many people without knowing it have developed cancer and rid themselves of it. Appendixes removed by operation have grown back. These powers of the body are biologically quite achievable in practical terms, but only by a complete change of focus and belief. Your insistence upon separating yourselves from nature automatically prevented you from trusting the biological aspects of your body, and your religious concepts further alienated you from the body's spirituality. In your reality, your consciousness is usually identified with the body, on the other hand. That is, you think of your consciousness as always being within your flesh. Yet many individuals have found themselves outside of the body, fully conscious and aware. As you know from previous discussions, Bob Monroe is perhaps the best known out-of-body traveler in our time. There have been many, many others, including notably Jane Roberts herself, Joe McMonagall, and countless others, which Bill Buhlman has studied, and I think he counted about 16,000 people who'd had out-of-body experiences. 
And next, Seth gets into a discussion of what we might consider a zombie civilizations, uh, recalling some of those really bad movies of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Here's how Seth gets into it. Under certain conditions, the body can maintain itself while the main consciousness is away from it. The body consciousness is quite able, then, to provide the overall equilibrium. At certain levels of the sleep state, this does in fact happen. In sleepwalking, the body's active, but the main consciousness is not, quote, awake. It is not manipulating the body. The main consciousness is elsewhere. Under such conditions, the body can perform tasks and often maneuver with an amazing sense of balance. This finesse again hints at the physical capabilities not ordinarily used. The main consciousness, because of its beliefs, often hampers such manipulability in normal waking life. Let us look for a moment at the body consciousness. It is equipped, as an animal is, to perform beautifully in its environment. You would call it mindless, since it would seem not to reason. For the purpose of this discussion alone, imagine a body with a fully operating body consciousness, not diseased for any reason or defective by birth, but one without the overriding ego-directed consciousness that you have. There have been species of such a nature. nature. In your terms, they would seem to be like sleepwalkers, yet their physical abilities surpassed yours. They were indeed as agile as animals, nor were they unconscious. They simply dealt with a different kind of awareness. Now, in your terms, they did not have uh, a purpose, as you define it, yet their purpose was simply to be. Their main points of consciousness were elsewhere, in another kind of reality, while their physical manifestations were separate. Their primary focuses of consciousness were scarcely aware of the bodies they had created. Yet even those bodies learned, in quotes now, through experience, and began to, quote, awaken, to become aware of themselves, to discover time, or to create it. The sleepwalkers, as we will call them, were not asleep to themselves, and that would seem so only from your viewpoint. There were several such races of human beings. Their overall primary experience was outside of the body. The physical corporal existence was a secondary effect. To them, the real was the dream life, which contained the highest stimuli, the most focused experience, the most maintained purpose, the most meaningful activity, and the most organized social and cultural behavior. Now, this is the other side of your own experience, so to speak. Such races left the physical earth much as they found it. The main activity, then, involved consciousness apart from the body. In your terms, physical culture was rudimentary. Well, now, that's, that's something to consider. Uh, I've never even thought that uh, any of the zombies uh, related to any kind of reality. Uh, did you? I mean, I just assumed that that was someone's imagination. But apparently, uh, they existed as civilizations and in terms of time uh, before ours. Their focus was primarily on what we would call the dream world. And uh, the bodies really were left to fend for themselves for the most part. Just the opposite of what we have. I'll conclude with uh, Seth's uh, remarks on that again. He said, now the physical organism as such, that's our organism, right? That's us. 
is capable of that kind of reality system. It's not better or worse than your own. It is simply alternate behavior, biologically and spiritually possible. No complicated physical transportation systems were set up. In the physical state, in what you would call the waking state, these individuals slept. To you, comparatively speaking, their waking activities would seem dreamlike. And yet they behaved with great natural physical grace, allowing the body to function to capacity. They did not saddle it with negative beliefs of disease or limitation. Such bodies did not age to the extent now that yours do and enjoyed the greatest ease and sense of belonging with the environment. So these environments that we might consider uh, primitive or zombie-like, they did not have any negative beliefs that would have them experience disease or limits to the physical body in, term, in terms of its uh, vitality through uh, advanced ages. In the next session, I'll continue with some of uh, Seth's observations about uh, other alternate realities. Again, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.